Welcome back to Not Just a Bikini Girl podcast. This is your host, Jasmine Jeffrey, and I am so, so stoked to have this lady on the podcast. Um, I think everyone has like that pro competitor that they've been following for years, and this is my lady. This is Katie Samuels, and I'm absolutely honoured that you've come on. So thank <laughs> you so much for having me, and how are you? Oh my gosh, really, really, really good. Making great strides this year so far. So it's definitely a different pace than last year. So I hope you're doing good too. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So for people that maybe don't know you, give like a quick couple of minutes. Who is Katie Samuels, competing history, and then we'll just go from there. Okay. So I am IFBB Bikini Pro. I've been to the Olympia four times. I was fourth in the world at one point. Really cool peak of my career. Really, really loved it. And then went on to be third at the Arnold uh, Classic Bikini International. I have coached competitors for about six years. Um, and that just kind of honestly just stumbled upon me. I wasn't looking for it. And uh, I had a couple of people reach out to me and it just kind of spiraled into like this my entire new life. It's crazy. Like now it's, that's what I do, you know, for a living. So what was she doing um, before that? Uh, I didn't really have anything that I was doing. I was just working about 70 hours at a bar. I was making good money, but it definitely wasn't like a way of life. I wasn't happy. So it is crazy that like, if you just put yourself, you know, you take some risk, you kind of, you kind of take the the jump and I don't know. It's just, it's, if you take the risk, you usually land somewhere upon, you know, some things that you were searching for. So because usually a lot of that stuff lies in your fears and things like that. So taking the jump usually lands you right on the other side of those. So, 100%. I love that. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, uh, so I'm a coach of Team Casey. And um, we have lifestyle trainers and uh, coaches. And then I do the competition side of, of that. Amazing. So your last Olympia. Let's talk about that first. And then we'll kind of come back. Because um, you coach yourself which I think is, I think anyone that can coach themselves is an incredible skill to have. I can imagine that you learn so much along the years. Like how long have you been, I know it's been quite a few years, but did you always coach yourself from the beginning? Or was it kind of when you turned pro? Like when was the point where you decided, do you know what? I know enough about the skill of bodybuilding, bikini, my own body to kind of take the reins for myself. So I think a lot of people would struggle to kind of trust themselves in that process as well? Started everything by myself um, from day one. So day one, I just kind of just started trial and error right out the gate. I was like, I'm going to fail a thousand times, but, um, and things are going to go wrong and I'm going to do the wrong thing. But the only way to, to figure out what I need to do is to eliminate the things that I shouldn't. So um, and everybody's different. So we're going to have all, everybody's going to have a different list of elimination. So I just jumped right into it, just started eating whole foods. I had a couple handfuls of M&Ms here and there, like just figuring stuff out, you know, just kind of following what everybody else is doing and, and learning stuff. And I did my first show in eight weeks and I got first place. So I just kind of, you know, decided to keep going from there. I, I wasn't happy with my job and, you know, I just got my really sick gym membership, love my gym. <laughs> so I was uh, just kind of dedicated to like doing that again. And then I did it again. I competed and I got third place in the open category. And um, so my first show, I, I got first in the novice, the overall novice. And then um, I went to my second show 
by myself and got third. And then uh, I actually ended up getting the open overall bikini award at my third show. So um, I started then researching why the hell I was even doing all this stuff. I was like, what am I doing all this for? I just got the overall. That's like got to be the best thing, right? Yeah. Uh, And then I kind of like looked into it and I was like, oh my God, I can be I can, I have the opportunity to be the best in the world. Like there's so much, there's more ceiling to this. Like, holy crap. I'm just at the bottom. Someone with the fishes, you know? So I just kind of, uh, I, I was like, all right, so we have to go to nationals now. That's the, that's the way to do it. That's the next level. So I went to nationals, still coaching myself. Um, and at this point I was like, kind of really worn out because I was doing a lot of things now looking back, I was doing things that fairly like not very constructive, just kind of really poor diet and mm. too much cardio. And it was a crazy, crazy ride. But you know, I put myself through it. So I wasn't really thinking about it. I didn't have anybody else to blame but myself. So but I ended up uh, getting sixth at uh, NBC Universe. And then I was so low uh, on energy and was only eating like chicken and almonds and green beans because that's what everybody else is doing. That's what they were doing backstage. It's so I was like, I'm going to do this all the time. You know, I'm going to fast track this and I'm just going to win everything. So yeah, but eventually you run yourself into a wall and I almost, um, it was about two days out from North Americans. And I looked at my, um, you know, my husband now, but um, my boyfriend, then Oscar and I told him and I said, this is my last show, man. I said, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I said, I can't, I honestly can't come like, you know, diet like this and, and do cardio like this. And, um, I said, it's, I said, this is my last show. I'm really grateful for everything I've learned. And that was the show that I ended up winning my pro card at. That's timing. Timing is a weird thing. Trust me, when I got off stage, I was just like, Oscar, I don't know what happened. And now what do I do? What do I do now? Like, so right from there, I was like, I can't teach myself any more things. I've kind of exhausted everything. I'm exhausted. If I'm going to continue this journey, I've got to learn some stuff, really learn some stuff from people that know Hmm. um, that have been doing this for a little bit. So I hired a coach and I was with him for my first three um, pro shows. and after that, he, he literally told me, he was like, Casey, like you have basically been coaching yourself the last couple months. He's like, you just took whatever information I gave you at the beginning of when we were working together and just like flew with it. Mm. He goes, and no matter what people tell you, you do what you want to do anyway. I was like, all right, yeah, you're right. So, um, he like, kind of like, uh, set me free. And, um, I, I mean, I, we still talk, we just were on the phone the other day. Like we still talk. Um, he's just a really good guy. His name's Adam Atkinson from see you later leaner. But, uh, so he taught me about flexible dieting. So there was no, like, no more like a bunch of chicken and green beans and and stuff like that for me. I still ate it, but it was, I could, you know, put ketchup on it, you know, I wasn't going to gain weight, you know? So yeah. Uh, really, really good, um, foundational learning for me in that period of time. And, uh, so I was getting about like a 10th and 11th and 12th place at my shows. And I, uh, I think I got 16th at my, I, my third pro show. So I was like, you know what? I am going to take him up on that like challenge and be like, I'm going to coach myself again. And then the following year, I ended up qualifying for the, uh, for my very first Olympia under my own coaching. So. Cause it was on points back then, wasn't it? Where it was kind of changed slightly now. Yeah. I did 11 shows that year. Mm. <laughs> 
do you think it's a better setup now as being a pro to be able to be like do you know what I don't have to compete all year round I can literally win this show and then it gets me where I kind of need to be do you find it's easier um easier no but um it is healthier for sure Mm. it's healthier for I mean because us bikini athletes we don't have you know, a lot of muscle density as it is. So how are we supposed to carry that and our metabolism for the entire year for points? And then also compete on that big stage with, um, you know, a fresh body. You just can't do it. Yeah. You can't, so what, what you do know. you think you've learned from all of these pro shows that you've done? I know you tweak things so much. And I guess that's the beauty of being able to coach yourself is that you can make these changes like daily, like if you want to. Like what sort of mm-hmm. things do you think you've learned like about your body as you go on? Like I know your last Olympia, I think you came on your cycle, which kind of affected a few things here and there. But what do you think the main things you've learned? So um, well, that, that you mentioned the cycle thing. So I actually, every time I get my cycle, the day of the show, which has happened to me a lot, I, I usually, I win the show. I get first place. So um, I always take that as like an omen. I go, all right, it's falling right on course. Like this is going to be good because for somebody that's built like me, um, having a little bit more, um, I would say like volume and fullness from the cycle helps me look better. Cause I usually get so conditioned and so lean that when my cycle hits, it kind of smooths out the lines just a little bit, gets the delts full, the glutes full. Um, and yeah, and I mean, it, it, it really does make a huge like difference, a huge 180 for my appearance. But, um, so what I've learned, uh, over time is that the more progressive you are with your program and your dieting, um, and this can take years or it could take one year or two years um, for some people. But for me over the years, the more progressive I am and the more with my program I am, I'm with, like when I'm actually, you know, proceeding to reverse diet myself and compete and reverse again and compete, your body adapts to those things. And that's like its new home. So the more that you can, it's almost like conditioning a horse. You know what I mean? Like you're like conditioning your mind and your body to be one way. So it always wants to go back to that. And it gets back to that easier every time, as long as you're not doing anything hormonal, you know, hormonal wrecking ball style, you know, style dieting and stuff like that, you know? So, but yeah, so I think for me over the years, the more that I do that, I'm able to do a lot less cardio and eat a lot more food during prep. Like I don't have to go below 1650 and above like 30 minutes of cardio for prep anymore. That's pretty good. And that's five days a week. Like it doesn't even feel like prep. Yeah. So, and that helps too. Like, cause if I decide to compete that year at all, like it doesn't take me much effort to get ready and I don't have to focus on myself at all. I just do it. That's good. Cause you're quite tall. And, like me, you're like, is it five, seven, five, eight? Yeah. Five, seven. You, would you say you're probably one of the tallest pros? When you're in, when you are in an island, um, do you think? So when I when I first got into the industry, yeah, um, I definitely was one of the taller ones, and everybody was like, "Yo, you're tall like me. I can do it too." And and I mean, now I I compete alongside of tons of really really tall women, some some taller than me. So um, I mean, I think it makes her a really really great pretty body, nice long lean legs, and you know, really really tall like chest, nice and proud. So yeah, I, I mean, I I think it looks great. Because a lot of, like, I'm five foot ten slash eleven, and one thing a lot of the UK girls feel like sometimes is like, oh, I'm t- I'm tall, so I need to crouch down, like I need to make myself look smaller to look more like muscular. 
And I always try, like, it's something I've learned as well. It's like, you can't change your height. And obviously the heels make you a bit taller as well. But it makes everyone mm. else look taller at the same time. Right. So, like, I think it's just trying to remind yourself, like, that there are, it's good that there are, there are more pros that are taller, especially from my point of view. Because <laughs> when you're trying yeah. to, I think a lot of times as, um, you know, as someone who's coming coming up into the rankings or whatever, trying to, I think a lot of us try to take reference from pros and think, okay, where do I need to be sitting? What sort of stage rate, like, is, you know, that girl's the same height as me, blah, blah, blah. But your stage rate, which I find really interesting, even over the past two years, it's been like a seven pound increase, which I think is like amazing. Like, have you had those times when you've kind of gone towards, right, this is a set stage rate, or have you kind of had to tweak the way you coach yourself and go, right, that, that, that was the past reference, but now this is like the new the new look or the new stage rate like how do you kind of navigate that with your own sort of preps yeah so I mean if you're not if you're not gaining weight every year then you need to take more of a lot an off season or you need better coaching or you need to stress less or something but um so I always look forward to my stage weight being a little bit higher as a natural athlete, it's, you know, without taking, you know, a significant amount of time off. Um, right now I'm kind of like retired from the stage for a little while. I don't know how long that will be. Um, right now I'm just focused on some other stuff. Um, so yeah, I'll be able to take those, that time off and, you know, probably put on a significant amount of weight, which for us, um, I'm sure you can agree the tall girls, like we've got to, we've got to like build out, you know, we, we can't just have the muscle density and I mean, it's healthy to have the good muscle density for dieting, but, um, we need to build out. So we have that hourglass figure. Cause if we're not posed, we're just, we're like Gumby, like a cute little Gumby, you know? So, <laughs> um, and then, or, you know, unless we turn sideways and we got our little, our little peach poking out, but, um, but yeah, I mean, for us, it, it, it's, a, it's a challenge. So making sure that I'm always, you know, adding some muscle or at least muscle density is super, super important. So, and that's the big thing. Your body will max out, you know, eventually it's not, you know, there's going to be a point where that it's not going to go past. Um, but I have been, you know, increasing my weight for me significantly over the last couple of years. I mean, when I first started competing, my body composition was way different. I had a lot more body fat. The division was way different. Criteria was, um, you know, it shifted quite a bit. So, but I was about like 130, I think for my first show. And then like my second one, third one, it just kind of like started going down body recomp, you know, you're getting more muscle, less body fat each time. And then my lowest weight ever, I was under a coach that just drilled me into the ground, uh, unfortunately. But you know, when you sign up and you pay somebody to do that for you, you listen to them 100%. And he took me down to about 119 pounds just to get me as lean as possible. Yeah. So that was like the, I haven't been that weight uh, since the uh, long time, but um, so even before high school. And I, you could tell, so I actually lost a lot of muscle mass. And then I spent about, I mean, I spent every waking moment of my life trying to put it back on, you know, from there. And I came back to the stage about eight months later and I was five pounds heavier uh, than my previous stage weight before that 119, which was 121. So I came back to the stage around, um, around 125 and a half. So yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. And then this year it was really, really different. I was 128. So, uh, and I really loved my look at 128, uh, a little bit fuller, 
there's a part in your, in your prep where you'll notice that like, you'll see, you'll be nice and full. Everything looks really good. And you're like, okay, like this is the look I got to bring. And then like, you know, you keep working, you've got like two or three more weeks to the show. And then you notice like you wake up one day and everything looks like it just kind of falls, you know? So all that fat that separates, you know, that's inside the muscle, visceral fat, all that stuff. It just kind of like disappears like a magic, like a magic trick. And you're like, well, shoot, like, did I diet too hard? Like, what do I do? And that's like, at that's that point where I'm like, oh, shoot, I have to start reversing into the show. Like, there's no more, no more, like, you know, 30 minutes of cardio, no more, only 150 grams of carbs. Like I've got to go back up um, significantly. And yeah. So, I mean, and that's kind of what happened to me going into this Olympia this year. I just couldn't get caught up with it. I, I, you know, I stopped cardio and all that stuff and was eating a lot of food and my body just was not catching up. So um, I ended up coming into that um, instead of the 128 at which I won the Tahoe pro at um, a couple months prior, I came in about two and a half pounds lighter. So fell a little bit short there in the fullness area. And that's what ultimately kind of killed me there. Yeah, I hope that all makes sense. Like with something that I is like struggle with is like how for people that are potentially quite new, like how do they know where how do they know when they're running flat or if they are full? Like what sort of indicator, especially when you're looking at your clients, like where do you know where that line is where it's like, okay, we stop dieting here or we reverse there or we keep going into the show? So I think for quite a few of us especially in the UK, it seems like I might be generalizing, but this is just from my own personal experience. We feel like we have to always diet straight to like literally until that week before and then you stop. Whereas from what you've said, like sometimes you have and sometimes you have had to kind of pull back. But what sort of things kind of ring true to you when you are looking at your clients to go, okay, this is where they're running flat or this is when like their fullness is here. Let's kind of keep going on that. What sort of visual cues could you can you see from that? So ideal best case scenario for me as a coach um, and my dieting and training style and, and competing style is I need you eating full meals and lots of food uh, on show day, lots of water. I need you to do because um, a majority of my, I mean, well, all of them are natural athletes. So as of right now, so that means a, a lot of food <laughs> and we don't, you know, cause we don't hold on to muscle. We don't hold on to fullness easily. So um, it means a lot of food and reversing into a show is really, really important for natural athletes. So, um, and I mean, it is for, you know, people that aren't natural too, but it's one of those things that if we really don't make sure that that process happens, we show up stringy and skinny. So, uh, and that, I mean, things just take off and that's how it is. But so I think for me as a coach, looking in at my clients, I assess whether what they need, whether it's, um, you know, more work, a little bit more uh, drawn in, or um, if they need, you know, if they need to start reversing by um, assessing how quick their muscles fatigue, like are their glycogen stores super low? Like, did they wake up one day and they're like, they're, they're complaining, like, Hey, where did my muscles go? Like, why, you know, where are my delts? Did they disappear overnight? Am I losing muscle? No, you're, you know, you're just, you're, you're flat because you don't have any glycogen stored in your muscles right now which means that, you know, we're going to really start tapping into fat sources, um, you know, like fat energy stores. So, but if they don't need to do that, then we need to reverse if they're ready, if they're, if they're lean and they're ready to go and they get flat, super easy. And they're, you know, their, their prep is smooth. It's time to start, you know, bringing the numbers up because we don't want to lose that muscle mass. We can't afford it. hundred percent. And sometimes like it's, you have to really be careful because a couple even a couple of days, even a week, 
you feel like you're kind of fighting against your own body at that point because it's like okay I'm just going to be a fairness now and it's like no this <laughs> is mm-hmm. not game plan. when you mentioned about fullness there with the bikini category as it's going like what do you think is more important or do you think they're kind of favoring more conditions do you think they're favoring more of the full look where do you think their priorities obviously the criteria like it's fairly split but like where do you think they kind of their priorities are lying from your own experience so when I'm looking at like Miss Bikini Olympia or just my athletes or myself in general first of all I look at okay like are we proportionate from top to bottom do we take up the same amount of space upstairs as we do downstairs or are we looking really small upstairs and have like these big legs, you know? Um, and that could be muscle or that could be body fat. Like, do we need to bring the legs down? Okay, then we need to take more time. We need a, another reverse phase, another cutting phase to bring the legs down. And we also need to not bring the arms down anymore. So, you know, or the, the shoulders down or, you know, whatever leanness that we need to be. And then two, are we proportionate in the amount of conditioning we have top to bottom? So you'll notice like, like Sandy Williamson over here will say, girls, do not move your hair because us bikini girls get so lean that when our hair is on our back, it's actually helping us because our backs get so shredded. So they don't want to see that because they, the the glutes aren't supposed to look like that. So you'll see other divisions move their hair because they're looking for that, that, that same conditioning on their back and their legs, the front of their legs, their glutes calves, everything. So they're looking for that conditioning everywhere. But for us, they're not looking for that level of conditioning that our backs have on the rest of our bodies. So that's a really, really good example. They're just looking for that nice, smooth muscle, the tie-in nice and tight, nice and full, um, you know, glowing, healthy skin. They're looking for all of that stuff. So keeping your hair on your back is definitely helping you rather than hurting you. Would you sound silly? Would if you have like a really shredded back, like I know my hair sometimes is a little bit thin, and I really try like volumize my hair so it's like covering more of my back. I know that sounds really silly, but I always find like my upper body gets super, super lean, and then it's my lower body that looks like ten weeks out, and then my upper body looks like like it's like two weeks, and I'm just like, where where do I even go from here? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do you find your do you find certain parts of your body like tend to come in a bit quicker? than the others or is it kind of like pretty baseline um so starting out um when I didn't have you know a good balance of muscle top to bottom my lower body would just um it wouldn't come in as much as my upper body my upper body would be very shredded I would have you know I I mean right now I'm uh you know a couple pounds above my stage weight and you know I feel like a barrel from the waist down and then I still have you know striations in my delts so like, like full on striations, they look like I'm ready to go. So, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's honestly just one of those things, like over time, like you just, you build your body composition a little bit different. And then obviously we're going to store body fat in different areas too. So, uh, you have to take that into consideration with your clients. Like if I get a competition client, I ask them, you know, uh, what are your stressors? And then I know where they hold fat. Uh, we get, you know, hormones checked so we can, you know, kind of see where we're going to hold fat. If we're going to hold fat, if it's going to be an easy process or we need to reverse and get things balanced out, or we do have to, you know, find solutions for things at their core first, uh, all that stuff matters. It really, really, really does. It's not just a matter of getting a body lean. You have to, you know, there's a, a timeline to it. Yeah. Um, and you have to address everything appropriately. Yeah, 100%. Because going kind of into a different sort of topic, I'm just looking at my notes. Um, yeah. You've been in this sport for a long time. Mm-hmm. How how do you stay in this sport for a long time? 
when you're going through all these kind of changes and the processes, the sport is changing. Your life obviously has probably changed from when you first turned pro. Like in terms of longevity, like what sort of advice would you give to other people? Like if it is what they truly want to do as well, but like how do you stay, how have you been able to stay so long in the sport while still enjoying the process and improving with it as well? Uh, it's actually really simple. And it I am telling you right now, if you are not doing this for yourself and yourself only first, you're not going to be in love with this forever. If you're doing this to get feedback and run with it and just like, and just get somewhere with it, you're not going to stay in love with it forever. And you're not going to do it forever. You have to love it. You have to, you have to love the processes. You have to love the the super lows, you have to embrace the highs when they're there. You've got to, you've really got to love it. And it's got to add to your life. It can't take from your life. So you have to find that balance within you to, um, to compete for, for years on end. What has been your why for competing? If you don't mind me asking. Oh man. Um, I do. I think, I mean, I truly believe that there's one day I'm going to win one of the titles that I that I want, you know, for, for so long. But besides that, I really do love the process. I love the metabolism that I've built. I love the places that I've traveled to. I love the fact that my, I look completely different from what I did when I was younger and I had severe body image issues. And that's only, you know, I I'm pretty sure that that was kind of the driving force was that, you know, behind me, like jokingly being like, I'm going to do a competition and people are going to judge my body. That's my worst fear. Let's do that. (laughs) Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I mean, my first show, I almost didn't even get on stage. I had a woman come get me from the audience and be like, you're getting on stage. Yeah. So, um, that, that day and that woman forever changed my life. So, but yeah, it, all the ups and downs and the things that I've learned. And it's always a, it's an evolution within your, yourself all the time, all the time, even in off season. How do you think your mindset has evolved over the years in terms of your own self-development and your own self-awareness? Like what sort of role do you think that has played with you over the years of turning pro and getting to the place that you have already? Um, my mindset. So I've gotten better with actual external balance uh, over the years because I'm able to do so because I, like I said, I've, I've conditioned my body over the years to be able to handle, you know, two nights out or not tracking food and um, not having to do cardio in my off season and not feeling like I need to go do extra work because I, you know, ate crazy food or whatever it is. So I, um, in that way, I've definitely evolved over time and my mindset has definitely shifted more towards what's healthy for me, starting from that little dot inside and expanding out, you know? So, and competing, like I said, if it doesn't add value to your life, like then you're not going to feel, you're not going to feel this way about competing. You're just not you've got to be in love with it. And like I said, for everything that it's, that it's going to bring you and it's going to bring you, you know, some garbage moments, but it's going to bring you like the biggest highs of your life too. Yeah. With those garbage moments and <laughs> uh, you, 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 you let me into the next question. You knew that. <laughs> like, garbage moments, right? I think people forget <laughs> the pros feel though. And probably the pros feel them more 
to some degree as well. Like, how do you, I don't know what the question is, but you've talked about garbage moments and I'm just intrigued now. But <laughs> I think when you are, well, what I tend to hear from a lot of the pros is, well, pros that I know around me is like, when you get into the pro rankings, it's a different game. It's a completely different game, both like mindset wise and with the physique and with the placings and all that sort of stuff. Like, how do you keep that resilience and keep going, especially when you are having those frustrating sort of moments, like throughout your preps? First of all, if you're a respectable person at all, you understand that when you turn pro, you take on the responsibility of being a role model for thousands of people. Um, if you have built that system up over time and you're just a generally great human being, there's people watching you and there's people out there that want you to win, but you also have to remember there's people out there that want you to lose too. But yeah, I would say being, being a pro, the biggest thing was when you sign your name on that dotted line on that pro card, you now have the responsibility of just showing up not only for yourself, but showing up for everybody else that, that you're, you know, you inspire. It's huge. It really is. Do you feel the pressure? There's some people out there that wouldn't make it, you know? It's just yeah. it's one of those things. Do you feel the pressure sometimes? Um I would say no, because I I don't know, I wouldn't call it pressure. I am very genuine and authentic and I work I'm very focused on just integrity of all of my systems. The like the way I talk the way I carry myself and and stuff like that so being super authentic for you know the last couple of years and you know and for all of time of, for eternity um you don't really build up that pressure if you are truly yourself to your audience because you you explain to them your bad moments you explain to them like oh crap like I messed up or Oh, I feel like garbage today, or um, I feel great today. This is what I did. Like, if you're just really super authentic, I don't think you ever build up that pressure. You don't, you know, you don't build up the ego that goes along with it. And you don't have to worry about holding up any sort of, you know, title that you made up and gave yourself. It's, you know, the more, the more integrity and the more authentic you are, the less pressure, honestly, for you, you have. I love that. That's fascinating. You've mentioned, I remember watching one of your IGTVs, and I think it was just for the Olympia, and you were talking about being an underdog. And I was like, I love this. Because I think a lot of us do feel like the underdog at times. You know, everyone has their favorites. And you kind of, I think when you are in that underdog position, I think you can kind of like, it can throw you one way or throw you kind of the other. Like, how do you personally use? feeling like an underdog or being an underdog like to your advantage do you think um so I guess like being uh you know being the underdog is kind of like also you get to kind of work in the shadows too so again like I think that just goes back to pressure like you're just kind of like all right you know what I'm doing what I do every time I'm working hard as hell I look damn good. Whatever happens, happens. You know what I mean? So, but I think that, you know, that does alleviate like a little bit of, um, you know, social pressure in regards to people being like, is she going to win it or is she going to tank? You know, you know, you just, you kind of get, just get that little free space to, to work in private, work in quiet and silence and, and just show up. Yeah, definitely. Do you think you kind of, 
I think there's some people with PrEP, they either kind of come very like insular or they kind of like they share quite a lot of their sort of journey. Like where, how do you tend to kind of feel like your best preps go? Do you feel like it's better when you kind of keep under the, like under the download, keep things to yourself? Or do you feel like, you know, which way do you tend to kind of flow when it comes to your preps? So for me, um, I know like the psychology behind, um, my clients prepping and me prepping at the same time. So I don't typically share that I'm prepping for a show until I'm, you know, really close to, to competing because, um, clients tend to clients will use me as a competitor, as a form of resistance for themselves an excuse as to why, you know, they're not feeling good or whatever it is when in reality, it has nothing to do with that. So, and I mean, people even outside of my team do the same thing. So we, um, I don't try to put that out into the world because I don't want to provide another path of resistance for anyone thinking like, oh, all right, Casey's competing at this show. I don't want to go to this show. Like I would never, I'd never want to create that. Um, so, um, especially after like a year, like last year. Yeah. And so it's, I guess that's like, that's probably my answer. I just, I don't want to be, I don't want to be that person for anyone. So um, I would rather just announce it and people be like, oh my God, I can't wait to see you instead. It's way that. better that way. Yeah, I think so. I think so. How do you think, I think for the future, where do you see, like, do you see the bikini category going in a certain way? That's been like a big talk, um, especially in the UK with like the NPC sort of scene. Do you see it going in a certain way or do you think it's kind of like they've kind of got to the place where they know exactly what they're looking for so everybody is saying that like the bikini division took like a huge winding crazy pivot this year for some reason um but I think they seem to forget that uh Janet Leigh has been two three two three two three two three for her entire career she's been right there um so to say that the bikini division has taken a huge massive pivot oh my gosh the division's changing no it's not she's been right there the entire time but uh yeah it's it's i mean i i loved janet Leigh's win i think honestly when i look at her photos i'm just like jesus christmas they got it perfect this time like it was perfect and even when she's not perfect when she's not 100% when she's like 85% something didn't exactly go right in the prep or like last week or the peaking process. She's still top three at all of these shows. Like she was bound to win the title at some point, you know, if she just brought it 100% and she really did this year. I agree with that. I think people forget, as you say, like she has been up there, like the, I don't even know how like right that. next door every time yeah like even Arnold's as well consistently yep. with Arnold's was like second third etc etc like if you could yep. say like I don't know if you could say like a pro that you personally like really like you love their physique like who else would you would you say would it be Janet I mean yeah I love her I love her physique um but uh one of my one of my favorite physiques and actually people is Camille Perriott so I have always admired her, her physique. And cause it, honestly, when you look at it, you could just see like the years of hard work that went into it. Like it is just like, it's so admirable. And then the way she carries herself in general and all of the success that she's had. I just, I love her. Everything about her. I love that. I love that. Yeah. 
So, she knows that I tell her all the time. <laughs> I love that though. I love that. I think I, I, I do agree. Like in the UK, I think um, the whole Janet thing, I think Janet in the UK is very Marmite. People love her or hate her. I love her. So it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> But what I said to people as well is if Janet isn't like your ideal, then there's five, four other girls in that top five where you could look at them mm-hmm. and go, yeah, that's what I'm looking like. That's kind of where I'm striving towards. Um, mm-hmm. I think people forget like, ja- yes, Janet won, but like it is still the same thing. It's still symmetry. It's still a level of conditioning. Like there's still all those other elements. I think mm-hmm. sometimes especially like the amateur rankings we kind of get a bit like right this is what the top is saying this is what we need to do this is that same hair color and it's like well it's that same bikini color but if you look in the second call outs or third call outs all the bikini colors were completely different but then people will look at that first call out and say oh it has to be this shade and I'm like do you think that is true or do you think you still need to you know if, if yellow is your color you still need to be sticking with yellow like how much do you personally so this this is a hard like this is a hard thing to do. That competing is really fucking hard. It's hard. And then to be really good at it is even for like more fucking miserably hard. Like <clears throat> so I believe that when stuff like that happens, it is an easy excuse for people to be like, "Oh my gosh, so that's probably why I didn't win my show. I wasn't wearing blue." I wasn't wearing purple. I have dark hair. I should have worn like purple, like, uh, you know, Jennifer Dory. Do I, you know, do I need to, it, it provides people with a safe place, um, more so when they can be like, Oh my gosh, I don't have a body like Janet. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to get skinny. I'm going to have to diet really hard. When that's not the case, like, um, you just see who have to bring the best, best version of yourself. If you're going to try to look exactly like Janet Leigh and you can't, you're never going to beat her. Yeah. Definitely. You'll never, you'll never beat someone by trying to look exactly like them. You will never do it. Because yeah. I think, I think you've experimented with a couple of bikini colors. Um, I think it's been a bit more of like a blue sort of like tone as well. Do you, mm-hmm. have, do you feel that you've kind of found like, uh, how, do you feel like you've had to tweak it quite a lot? Or do you think you've kind of found like, this is, this is the look that I kind of want to bring. So I know something like it is, you do want to nail it first time, don't you? But then you're like, oh, next time I'll do this or next time I'll do that. So I tend to change my hair quite frequently. Um, not drastically, but um, under those stage lights, if I put a little bit of highlights in my hair, it gets so much lighter under those stage lights, you know? So like when you walk outside, you kind of see the same thing. You're like, oh my God, like I had black hair three months ago or three months ago and now I'm blonde. So I tend to wear blue when my hair is darker and then more of like a teal green um, when my hair is lighter. Um, You know, it just, it just looks good with my skin tone and uh, the hair color and everything like that too. Mm, Definitely. So So I just kind of strategize that way. I like that though. You found your formula. I feel like I've still got to figure mine out, but we'll get there. We'll get there. It's hard. It's hard. So I think we could wrap it up. There's two last questions. Okay. First one, like you've mentioned that you will be partially retiring. So what are the plans for you going into this year and sort of next year? Where do you see yourself heading? Hopefully on the gain train. Um, I want to travel more. I I just love traveling. I want to travel more. I want to travel for work and stuff like that. Um, 
but the biggest thing is I want to grow my team. So, um, we have a big thing coming up before the end of the year for team Casey, huge, 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 huge pivot. And it's going to take a lot of hours. So a lot of money, a lot of hours. So, uh, I gotta make money in order to invest money. So, um, that is my, my primary goal this year is to grow my team and be able to, you know, provide a, a platform for everybody to accomplish their goals. So that's, that's a big thing to me. And my, my, uh, my assistant trainer, daily Swan, we want to be able to cross paths with everybody that needs our help. So, Amazing. and I, you know, I gotta be able to do that. So I gotta be able to fly, fly places, hold events and, uh, you know, be able to run my business and then also have time to connect with the, you know, the hundreds of people that we coach. Yeah. Excited. Oh, can't wait. Okay. Last question. What makes you not just a bikini girl? So it has to be something which isn't related to competing. Oh man. I should have told you this before, Hannah. I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, you're good. <laughs> um, not just a bikini girl. I feel like there's so many things. Um, people probably don't know me very well, like for who I, who I really am at my core. And I'm like working on that. Um, cause I was always, I'm always Casey, the bikini pro, but yeah. So I think like my driving force to answer your question is like my journey needs to be in a goddamn book. <laughs> from like day one, like body image issues, not knowing what I wanted to do was just them um, kind of like satisfying everybody else's needs, you know, you know, for them, not for me, but through me. Uh, so I would say I'm just kind of everything that I've done up to this point, I've self-built. And you look so I am a strong motherfucker. Don't mess with me. Exactly. And you love cats. <laughs> well, that has to be mentioned because your cats are adorable. So I have a zoo. Yeah. 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 There's like 70 of them. They're everywhere. So you started at four before this podcast started. Now it's 70. So God knows what's going to happen next week. <laughs> you need to have a cat show. We could talk every week. That's cool with me. That's cool with me. I'll have a cat for the next like 30 years of our lives to talk about. <laughs> oh, so funny. Honestly, thank you so, so much for coming on. Um, this has been so insightful, just from like the NPC side, but also you as well. As I said, I've been following for years, for years, mate. Um, and I love what you're doing. So just keep at it. And I hope all of you listening have enjoyed this as well. Be sure to tag, review, all that stuff that I always forget to mention. And yeah, we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you so much, Casey, for coming on. Thank you.